So what, what would help you think more about your neighbor's spiritual condition? Helping them. We had a neighbor recently that was putting a new roof on, and he was trying to beat the weather. And they ended up having opportunities to witness and to see where he was at with God. Okay. So just taking time enough to help when you see a need. And then being able to have a discussion or whatever or talk about the issues in their life and things. Okay. Okay. So you get some ideas, but here's one of the takeaways you should take. So I'd offer go home and think about that question. Right? It's a little harder to do in just five minutes. I got it. But um, go home and think about that because when you realize what's in your way, right, as far as actually thinking even about their spiritual condition, then you'll start being able to come up with practical ways to address that, right? Just, you know, you pick one to three things, and that's the thing that you say, okay, I'm going to write that down, I'm going to think about that daily, I'm going to pray about that daily, and you will see, I promise you, you will see a transformation in your thinking when you're interacting with people. Okay. Uh, so now we're going to move on to question number eight here. How urgent do you feel it is for people to hear and respond to the gospel? So mark your, mark your first thought. Like, not what you're supposed to do again, right? What, what are you actually thinking about? I'm not going to call you out. So, But how urgent do you feel other people need to hear and respond to the gospel? Okay, and just sort of log that in. Can you tell someone's eternal, uh, tell something about someone's eternal reality based on his response to the gospel? If so, how so? I mean, obviously you could have a question and say, are you saved, right? That would give you a pretty good response. But in other things, like how, how can you tell where somebody does stand spiritually? And how much they seem to even care about those things, we'll say. Anybody struggled with that a little bit? Just sort of figuring out those things about people? Okay, so going back to the sense of urgency piece, right? Um, Whether we feel a sense of urgency or not. So remember the burning house analogy from last week, right? House is burning, you're walking by, you got a choice. Maybe rush in and try to help them. Maybe at least call 911. Um, you know, that, that inspires a sense of urgency in that moment, or hopefully does. <laughs> uh, you know, does eternal salvation or damnation inspire a sense of urgency as well? So that's, that's one of these things that the book pulls out uh, quite a bit. Uh, Adam preached last week from Acts 17 and reminded us that when we find harmony everywhere, something is wrong with our witness. And it seems sort of reasonable we could take it one step further, which says if we don't feel a sense of urgency to share the gospel, something's wrong with our witness, right? You sort of think that's pretty a logical uh, step as well. Uh, question number nine. Let's, let's keep going through this. In what ways does keeping someone's eternal reality in mind 
increase your sense of urgency to share the gospel. You can just write down whatever thought you have there. And then we're going to roll right into question 10. Which is just, again, answering whatever your primary thought is. How do you feel about unbelievers? So, you know, you've got the... Am I just saying the right things, or do I actually care, right? Or ask how, how do I want to think of myself, or vices, uh, versus how others perceive me, right? Do others perceive you as being sorrowful for their state, or, I mean, that, that sounds very dramatic, I know, but, or do others perceive you as wanting them to have the same joy you have? I mean, you might say that's what I want, but... How are they perceiving you on the other side? Right? So you really need to sort of make two marks there. One is, this is how I think I am. And then another mark there is, this is where I think others uh, would mark me. And they might not be the same spot. Then the next question along that line of thinking as well that goes with that is, how do I know Right? What actions, what are, what are my actions that are evidence that that is how I feel and think about unbelievers? And you can make some notes there if something comes to mind. Okay, so continuing on in the book, uh, you know, again, we talked about sharing is, you know, sharing is caring. Um, there's a little line in the book that talks about effective sharing of your faith starts with concern and burden. C.H. Spurgeon said, Holy Spirit will move them first by moving you. If you can rest without their being saved, they will rest too. But if you are filled with agony for them, if you cannot bear that they should be lost, you will, you will soon find that they are uneasy too. So, you know, you think about that some, right? If, if, they, if they feel like every time they're around you, everything's hunky-dory and everything's good and they're just fine, you know, then they're going to continue on that way if they don't feel that there's something that needs to be different, right? So, um, so that's way, one way of uh, uh, Spurgeon captured that pretty well. Acts 17, 16, uh, this is where Paul's in Athens. I guess we're going to get to that today, right? Is that today? That was last week. What? Oh, that's next week. Sorry. I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, while Paul was uh, waiting for him in Athens, he was really distressed about what he saw, right? The city full of idols. Um, and before Paul delivered the gospel message to the pagans of Greece uh, with that trouble, he was irritated and angry. But what was interesting about it, when you read that, is he wasn't angry at the people. He was angry at what was around the people and the situation, who was doing this to the people and, and what have you, right? Um, but... His sorrow was for the people because they were being so misled. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.16 says, For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Right. So that's, that's Paul feeling that burden of, I, I have to reach people. Like There is a sense of urgency, and I've, I've got to reach them. So, you know, it, again, you know, nobody has to say, you know, verbally, but 
be honest, do you feel that way? Um, you know, from my perspective, I'll say, I don't feel this way as often as I should. Uh, and I know my actions don't always follow my feelings, you know, and sometimes I'm disappointed that they follow my feelings because there's a certain amount of disregard or avoidance or inconvenience, you know, some other excuses that, that come up that seem to trump my sense of urgency and my focus on those things. Um, so, okay, so we're going to continue on the book here where it talks about, let's, uh, let's explore a little bit about how God cares. So, um, we're going to start off with, with Jesus' example uh, with the parable of the shepherd and the sheep in Luke 15. Um, and the author talks about how, you know, sheep are actually pretty dumb animals. Uh, they often wander away, get themselves into trouble very unknowingly. Um, and uh, he even emphasized it's not a compliment when Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. In other words, uh, you know, we might like to think of, oh, I'm like a sheep, I'm meek and docile. Uh, but the reality is um, sometimes we can be a little bit on the dumb and somewhat stubborn side of things, right? And we're always not with it and tend to wonder away without our shepherd. Uh, Luke 15, you know, as it continues on, we know the story where the shepherd goes and rescues the one out of a hundred. Um, and so, you know, God cares enough to go after that one percent. And uh, we all know John 3.16, right? God so loved the world, we could put in so much if we wanted to, right, in, in parentheses, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So sometimes we might find ourselves thinking or saying, uh, you know, but seriously, that's Jesus Christ, right? He's on a totally different level. I just don't feel that way about people who aren't Christians. How do you deal with that? Well, uh, Philippians 2.5 talks about letting Christ's mind be in us. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Um, and then you, in Luke 15, where uh, Christ is talking about the woman and her lost coin, um, you know, just there was a reminder about the, the rejoicing that takes place, right? There's this motivation of, in the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, you know, getting in that mindset of, this is Christ's mindset, and... Look at the outcome when just one person comes to know Christ. Okay, and then the book goes on with uh, how the Father cares and, and talks uh, from Luke 15, 11 to 31, you know, the story of the prodigal son. So we often think about the son and the repentance, how bad a situation was, um, but in reality the story could could have just as easily been labeled the parable of the loving father. So, you know, look at the father in that story, right? He loves both sons with all his heart. Um, one just doesn't seem to care and leaves. The father really misses him, though, and, and instead of estranging uh, his son, uh, you know, actually spends the time to look for him every single day. And so... You know, similarly, 
when we or others are, are apart from God, he misses us. He longs for us to be with him and to us, for, to, to us to return. And that's because he loves us. And so in Luke 15, 20, it talks about how the father ran to his son when he saw him. That was actually very undignified in the day, culturally, for the father to run. Like that, the, the elderly to, to run to somebody, right? And so, you know, think to us, think, you know, if we keep in mind about how God ran to us through Christ, how much he set his dignity aside, right? It's not, why would God have to run to us? Like, we should be running to him, right? And so, uh, he set his dignity aside to draw us in and to love us. So, the book goes back to, do we care, Right? Do you care? Um, all this can make us feel a little guilty, and it probably should, if we're not caring enough, um, and uh, and you know cause a certain amount of repentance and obedience. But but think about this: if God is willing to lose His dignity, Christ loses His dignity for sinners, for me and for you. Are we willing to lose our dignity now and again for the same people? God reached out, right, to us. Are we willing to lose a little bit of dignity? We're not going to lose as much dignity as Christ lost. I mean, put it in perspective, right? Or <laughs> as much dignity as God lost. So, so if it's just the motivation of saying thanks, you know, and we sort of put that in this perspective, then are we willing to lose a little bit of dignity as well? Uh, Christ left heaven and subjected himself to the trials of humankind, temptations, and so on. He didn't have to. He wanted to. So here's the question. Are we willing to leave our comfort zone, not just because we have to, because we want to? So this is, again, this is getting in the mindset of Christ, right? I want to do this. Not, not just I have to do it. I want to do that. Uh, Adam's, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second here. Okay, so that sort of brings us to the end of chapter 2. Um, and then we're, we're going to dive into chapter 3 here with the time we have today. And chapter 3 is labeled, Why Share Your Faith? So we touched on some of this already a little bit. Um, and I'm going to throw in something I came across in devotions just the other day, which is, you know, it's not in the book. So, but in Philippians 1, 15 to 18, it talks about the different, some different motivations and how people are sharing their faith. And I found this interesting. I, I guess I'd never really paid that much attention to it before. But, you know, it talks about envy and rivalry, rivalry and goodwill, right? So are you focused on getting credit? Are you focused on feeling good? Or are you just focused on simply proclaiming Christ so others hear it? And I really hadn't paid that much attention to that. I'm like, envy and rivalry, what? Who were these people? But then you start you know, you sort of reel it back in and you go, okay, how much would I like to get credit for that? You know, if somebody comes to Christ, I help them come to know Christ. Well, actually, you, you were just a tool um, to, to get the job done. But, you know, uh, but, you know it, we tend to think that way, right? So, um, so that's a good question to sort of ask ourselves. What is my motivation for sharing? Um, okay, so going back into the book, uh, Jesus told us to, right? That's a pretty good motivation. Uh, we talked about that before at the Great Commission. Uh, you boil it down, it's preach and teach or proclaim and disciple. Um, those are the two 
fundamental pieces. Um, and uh, the book also talks about having an objective. So a little deviate a little bit. In the Army, being an old Army person, those of you who like military movies, you'll sort of get this. If you don't, bear with me. I'll try to, try to help it along. But um, when you have an objective in the Army, everything about that, the mission, is driven towards that objective, right? So you start with planning. You get your logistics and resources put in order. You, you put together orders so everybody knows their piece and where they're supposed to move and go. You do rehearsals. You do pre-combat checks, which is where you know, you're checking to make sure, do you have your ammunition? Is it in the right spot? Is it whatever it is, right? Um, and then you, you get to the point of execution and often, especially if you're on the offensive, you have to overcome obstacles. I was an engineer, so I live this world um, where you, know, you have to breach minefields, go through wire ditches, all that stuff. There's enemy fire uh, that you have to deal with. Small arms fire, that's you know, pistols and stuff, and rifles, large caliber stuff like artillery, um, those types of things. There are some casualties. Right? You actually plan for casualties and how you're going to do the medevac and all that kind of stuff. And if all that goes well enough, then you'll get to the objective. That's just getting to the objective, right? And then you have to actually secure the objective because there's enemy on the objective, and so you still have to overcome that. You actually have to secure it and sort of entrench yourself to a degree, right? Not necessarily dig in, but you, you, you want to make sure that you're there so you have lookouts posted and all this stuff. Um, and all that only stops, by the way, when the war stops. That's just one battle within the war, right? And then you go to the next objective, and then you go to the next objective, you go to the next objective until someday uh, the battle is over. So you can see a lot of sort of parallels there, but the key point is the objective and the focus, right? All those things drive towards, towards those things, right? Great Commission is like our orders. We know what our role is. Right? We know exactly what our role is. Uh, the Bible, the teaching, and the Holy Spirit are the resources, right? They, they give us the right resources. It's like the ammunition, if you will, right? Um, you know, prayer and, and what have you is, is, with, is, you know, is like planning with God, right? And doing our pre-combat checks every day. Do I have my stuff in the right order? Is it there when I need it? Is my thinking right? Right? Those same sort of things. Um, and, uh, and then ultimately we have to execute. Like we actually have to go towards the objective. Right? We just can't sit there. Great. I did all my pre-combat checks. I don't feel like engaging now. Right? I mean, that, that would sort of be silly, right? To go through all that trouble and then not do anything. Um, so, okay. So go back to Jesus told us to. And there is an objective. That's number one. Number two is it brings God joy. It's pleasing to God. And just out of gratitude, we're willing to share our faith because it brings joy to God. Uh, number three is to let others know the greatest joy we have. Um, and so the book goes into, talks the problem and the solution. The problem being we can get stale a lot of times as believers. And he brings up the example of going to Disneyland or Disney World. How many of you have been to Disney World? Okay. How many have been to Disney World just as an adult? 
Couple, okay. How many have been to Disneyland with kids? Okay, there's a difference there. Um, so think about if you just go as an adult, what do you tend to do? You tend to go, man, that's expensive. These prices are really, I don't like standing in line all day. There's a lot of walking, right? I mean, we tend to complain about it. We tend to it's sort of, eh, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, the, those rides were fun, but man, it was a lot of, that was pretty expensive and a lot of waiting, right? I mean, that tends to be what we do if you go to an amusement park as an adult. Now, think about it when you go to an amusement park with kids. You're taking your kids or your grandkids or whatever, and how your mindset changes, right? You're seeing them all excited, and you're like, yeah, okay, we can wait in line a little bit because we know the fun we're going to have. We know the enjoyment that's going to come from that, right? It's, it's the same, by the way, it's the same amount of time on the line. You might have actually paid more with the kids, right? And then you go on a ride. It's the same rides a lot of times. The only thing different is how you get to share in the joy that somebody else is having. Um, so the solution that the author says is, you know, a wonderful thing happens to you when you have a new believer in your life. It will spiritually, spiritually revive you. And so, you know, this might be a little more, uh, you might think, oh, that sounds sort of selfish, like I'm not doing it for me. Well, no, you're not. But this is a second-order effect that's a, a pretty important one as well in your own walk. So take a non-believer, even more so a new believer with you to church, and see what happens. Um, I could even say this from personal experience, even in the last year, right? Um, you tend to hear things differently, right? Because you're thinking, how might I explain this to them if they ask a question afterwards? So you're engaging differently with the message in the songs. Um, you're praying, you tend to pray for them to hear clearly. And so it's a much more focused prayer about them and their relationship or hopefully a relationship with Christ. You tend to pray that you'll be able to help them believe and grow. And you really do find yourself listening intently to understand the message, you know, uh, in case they have questions as, as they're going through. So you get those parts of it. Another part of the solution is sharing. You know, a lot more than you think you do. You've been preparing because you've been coming to church. You've done devotions. You've gone to Bible studies and things. Uh, or maybe you haven't gotten that far in your walk, but you really do know a lot more than, than you think you do. Um, and whether that was the intent was to prepare and listen to the messages that Adam's been preaching and equip hours and things that, that you know, maybe your intent wasn't, how am I going to use this to share the gospel? Whether you like it or not, it's helping prepare you. And so, um, you know, we've got that, uh, that part. Um, you also, another thing the book draws out is you also have fellow believers and leaders to help if you get stumped. So you can't use that as an excuse. Because you got all these other people here where you're like, I don't know. It is, it, most people don't, if you say, I don't know the answer to that, they don't say, okay, well, you must, you know, your faith isn't worthwhile. Uh, people don't say that, right? I mean, you just might say, that's a good question. You know, let me either talk to some people or let me go research it and I'll get back to you. Most people will accept that just fine. And that's, that's true with most things in life, right? If you're at work and somebody asks you, they'd rather hear, I don't know, than have you just make something up, right? 
or a friend or something like that. So it's no different with this. So we have this whole group here, and especially our, our church leaders that can help us. Um, the author also says, show me a church that does not have a constant flow of new Christians coming in, and I'll show you a church that is stagnating. We are, choi- we are in a uh, we in the church have a choice to evangelize or fossilize. I told you, it likes little quips, right? Um, but you can see how, you know, just bringing somebody in, how that changes not only how you're interacting, but how others are interacting. You introduce them to somebody, others are hopefully that's spurring the thought of how am I going to help this person stay and grow? And not so much about the church and the numbers, it's about how are we going to help other people? Um, the author goes in and then also has a, his story of his first encounter. Brand new Christian. He went out on the, he's actually on the beach at, uh, out in L.A. And he, had, oh, I'm sorry, his first encounter with, this is right after he got saved. And somebody had given him a Bible and he went over to his friend's house and he was actually so nervous about it, he actually hid the Bible in a bush right outside the door. And then went inside and just tried to, you know, Everybody's like, yeah, something's a little different. We haven't seen you in a little bit, you know, and they were doing drugs and things. And so he's, he's sort of just trying to play it off, like, you know, just been out and about because he was, was really nervous about things. And then one of the kids' moms came, came into the house and said, hey, whose Bible is this? And it actually had two popsicle sticks glued to the cover of it, right, as a cross. And he's like, uh, you know, that's mine. And then they started giving him a hard time. And he actually got angry, lashed out at him, and stormed out the door. Right? And he's like, that's probably not how you're supposed to do this. Um, and that made him start thinking about uh, some things. And so, you know, obviously we don't have to do that. We certainly don't have to get angry when somebody asks us. And I don't think, I can't look around here and imagine that any of you would necessarily do that. But the point is, it's, it's about who we're sharing it with not about ourselves, right? Going back to how much did God lose his dignity, we can lose our dignity a little bit um, if that's what it comes to. In most cases in America, that's not really what it comes to. It's our perception of what will happen to us. In most cases, it's really not what happens to us. Um, So, something to think about there. Okay. Um, So, I'm going to go back to... uh, one thing, just got to find, find that note. Um, if, before we wrap things up, Adam had a sermon on August 6th. Uh, 6th uh, was from Acts 11, 19 to 30. It was about kingdom advancing prayer. And it highlighted five things. Uh, he talked about how it's combative and requires asking for strength. All right, it might be daily prayer. It's focused and intentional so that God intervenes through us with others, right? Uh, It's loving and caring so that we're intervening for others we care about. It's trusting that God will give us the strength even without comprehension, which is often the Holy Spirit at work, and we're sort of like, I just don't know how that really transpired and how it came to be. Um, And then it's unifying. Even when we're in different places, and maybe when we don't trust others, it's still unifying as a body. Um, so when we look at those things, and, we, and again, I'm going to ask you to, I'll, I'll read the prayer for this week, and it's in your bulletin, so it's not on your handout. So 
Um, go ahead, Mark, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. Um, see if you can do that all seven days this week. Uh, but, but think about that, that sermon as well, right, which is, you know, requires us to ask for strength. Um, it is focused and intentional. It's loving and caring. It's trusting God, and it's unifying, and it should be unifying with all of us. And so as we're continuing to talk with others about our experience here within the body, and we're praying together, you know, we should be letting people know, hey, there's this person at work that I've been praying about, and I just don't know how to do that, right? Let others, let our, let others join with you in prayer as we go on, and we can care about the other people in our lives. So maybe I don't know somebody's sister or something, right? Never matter, but that's the person on your heart. Well, you know, if I make a note, I can certainly join in prayer. Uh, as well. So this week's prayer, it's on the bulletin. It is, uh, again, I'm just going to read it right now, and then we'll close in a different prayer. But it's, Lord, I know you care, and your heart is to reach unbelievers. Would you give me a heart for those who don't know you yet? Would you give me a genuine burden for unbelievers? I know that you can give me a holy boldness like I've never had before. Will you give that to me? As I go into all the world to share the gospel, Please help me to have courage and be strong when I upset the peace, face discouragement, ridicule, and even suffering. I know these pale in comparison to Jesus' humiliation in the world and on the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so that's the prayer for the week. Again, challenge you. Shoot for every day this week. I think, and if you pull out last week's prayer, if you want to pray them in tandem. They sort of go hand in hand. So, um, yep, that's the challenge for this week. Okay, so let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the joy and privilege to share your salvation with others. I ask that you help us go and to share you with others, caring as you care, and actively looking to win others for you so they can have the same joy I have. And Lord, we ask that you would bring more into this fold because we know you do care and you love all the unbelievers that are out there. We ask that you give us that same burden. In Christ's name, amen.